Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. I am your host today, Scott Reynolds, and alongside me, of course, across from the Zoom, is John Ledyard from Pewter Report. John, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully, Scott. I'm already, I've, I feel like I've put last week's game behind me and it was good. There were good things to draw from it. Today over at pewterreport.com, got it off my chest about OJ Howard and the lack of usage there. I needed to get that out and now I feel therapeutically revived. I'm ready for week three and what a great way to get the process for week three kicked off with our guest today, who I'm very excited to hear from on the Broncos. We are on to Denver, as Bill Belichick would say. And also joining us is Matt Matera, producing this podcast. And our special guest today, Benjamin Albright, who knows the Broncos better than anybody in the media. So, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting game because, I mean, are you guys going to field a varsity team or is this a JV team due to all the injuries? It's crazy how many injuries we've seen around the league just in week two, but the Broncos have been hit probably as hard as anybody. Would you agree? Yeah, it's been pretty bad out here. I think we have something like 50 million in salary cap tied up in, uh, in injured players. You, you could almost field a competitive team out of the players that are done for at least half the season here. So uh, it's, you know, they're, they're trying their best to patch it up and, you know, John Elway doesn't do tanking. So they're, they're going to try to be competitive, whatever that means. They went out and signed Blake Bortles today. Um, so that, that's, interesting i guess but uh you know coming up for this game it's going to be jeff driscoll and brett rippon as the one two quarterbacks for this this game against the buccaneers and uh if watching that uh pittsburgh steelers tape um you know means anything to you i think that the start tampa bay's uh, defense in your fantasy league one thing that i want to just bring up is is you mentioned competitive and yes they took some more hits in last week's game Cortland sutton out you know for the year with that knee injury and they lost some more players. Mark Barron was put on injury reserve, a couple other defenders. Uh, at the same time, though, this is an 0-2 Bronco team that lost by two points to Tennessee in week one. And still, despite seven sacks and Ben Roethlisberger being Ben Roethlisberger, they only lost to the Steelers by five points on the road. Yeah, they had a chance to win both those games. Uh, Could have come back against uh... – uh, Tennessee, if they'd taken a timeout, had a little more time. They could have come back against uh, Pittsburgh if they, they had third and two inside of two minutes uh, in a in a territory, couldn't get that third and two, you know, would have pushed into to have a shot to win it. So uh, I, I think they feel like they're a better team in their record, despite uh, whatever Bill Parcells quote you go throw at me there. But I, I think that, uh, you know, a I, I, good team, they're, they're actually a good football team. They're just not having things bounce their way, and the margins are too thin not to catch some breaks. Ben, have there been guys that throughout this process where you're losing people due to injury, you know, but we see also that uncovers some gems at times and you've had Sutton go down and guys like Jerry Judy and and KJ Amler, you know, as rookies have had to step up and take a big role and Jawan James opts out and Elijah Wilkinson's in their right tackle and now Jeff Driscoll at quarterback and on the defensive side of things, Jeremiah Tauchu trying to revive his NFL career have there been bright spots like amidst some of these fill-in players that we should know about is you know instead of just seeing oh this is the backup like have there been bright spots of some of these guys played pretty well and stepped into a bigger role and actually been well suited for it 
Well, I, you know, I think Atachu and Malik Reed have played admirably. Um, you know, Malik's more the pass rush specialist, and Atachu's more the the run stop guy. Although Atachu, I believe, has more sacks right now and, and pressures. I think it's by virtue of him playing most of the snaps against Tennessee. They were a little worried about Derrick Henry, but um, you know, some of these guys are stepping up. You look at some of the rookies. I know Ojemudia got torched for a bunch of yardage, but he actually played mostly well throughout that game, outside of a couple big plays. Um, the touchdown to Claypool uh, was was one of those situations where you look at it, and you say. Well, if, if Ojemudia hadn't been uh, looking over at the ref for a flag because Claypool kind of pushed off with the arm and had played the ball in the player, he might not even caught that ball. So uh, the rookie mistakes that he needs to iron out, but he's been kind of a bright spot in there. Sang Bassey, another rookie undrafted guy who, who looks like he could be something at the corner position. Uh, and then we're going to get a chance to see probably McKelvin again a bunch uh, you know, this week. And he's somebody they have really high hopes for. I'll tell you this. One of the things I always do when I'm talking to players, I ask them who the toughest guy they go up against in camp is. And without fail, the offensive linemen, who, by the way, have to go up against Shelby Harris and Jarrell Casey and, you know, and Mike Purcell every day, mentioned McKelvin Aguim as, as a guy that was kind of the toughest to, to pass block. So I'm interested to see what he could do but that, uh, against that Tampa offensive line. You know, when you look at, at uh, Drew Locke, the way he finished last year was uh, was encouraging, and you know, and and obviously having this shoulder injury is just going to disrupt uh, that that start to the season where he could have built off of what he did at the end of last year when the Broncos won some games. But what do you think of of Drew Locke from the small sample size that you've seen so far? And he was one of five for twenty yards before that shoulder injury on a sack on Sunday. I think he's good. I think he's very good. I think he has a chance to be something in this league if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, and that really is the question. Last year he had the wrist injury. This year, you know, you're talking about the shoulder now. Uh, he's starting to get a reputation about injury. And, and so that's that's kind of a problem. But, you know, I, I think he's very good. Doesn't make the same mistake twice. A lot more athletic than you think he is. Um, he's just a guy that, you know, the guys want to suit up and play for. Uh, and, you know, and having gone through the Case Keenums and the Joe Flaccos and the kind of humdrum quarterbacks they trotted into over the last couple of years, you know, I can tell you that uh, it, it, it's encouraging and it's interesting to have a quarterback guys get excited about playing for and with. Having said that, Ben, along the same lines, does Jeff Driscoll bring any of that? It felt like even though they were kind of totally overmatched on paper against the Steelers, he, even though he maybe took some sacks he shouldn't have, he showed some, some, a strong arm and a desire and ability to throw the ball into tight windows and some fearlessness too. Uh, talk about Jeff Driscoll a little bit and what he brings to the team and what Tampa Bay will kind of be up against with him at quarterback on Sunday. Well, just more more athlete with a big arm, you know, more of a thrower than he is a passer. You know, more more athlete than quarterback. Um, now he's he's got some he's got some athleticism. He's got a big arm, but his clock is a little bit slow. Um, and if you if you put pressure on him, he kind of he kind of folds a little bit. I, I think he's a guy that if you could kind of run an offense similar to what Tennessee is running, where they run a lot of max protect two route concept stuff, Driscoll could be successful in this league. But I'm not so sure a West Coast roots offense like uh, like Pat Shermer runs is really his strength. Um, you know, he'll hang tough in there. He'll make some throws, uh, and then you'll see some other throws that you're like, who are you throwing that to? So it's uh, it's just interesting to, to to see the dichotomy and the range of what he brings to the table. Yeah, when you look at, at Shaq Barrett, a player that you got to know pretty well from his time in Denver, 19 and a half sacks, became a pro bowler here in Tampa, the Bucks franchise player. He had four sacks through the first two games last year. This year, it's been the other guys on the defensive line. Adamica Sue's got a pair of sacks from last week. Jason Pierre-Paul has had a sack in each of these last two games. And Shaq Barrett coming back to Denver, 
sitting there with, with zero sacks. Uh, tell me about that matchup that Elijah Wilkinson's going to have uh, on his hands when, when Barrett would, would love to not just get off the schneid and get some sacks, but doing so against a team that he said today in the conference call was frustrating to play for because despite his limited production, once they drafted Bradley Chubb, he knew the writing was on the wall and he wouldn't be back in Denver. Yeah, he wanted a starter's role, and I think that's where that frustration came from is they wanted him in more of a rotational sixth-man kind of role. He kind of provided a spark off the bench for him. Um, you know, Shaq's a very good player, uh, very determined. You look at him, and he, his, his body's not what you would expect. You know, you see kind of a, a little bit of a, a pudge, a little bit of a sloppy body, but, man, he's a monster in there to try to defend against. Um, and it's a good attitude about it, too. You know, I used to have him on the show every once in a while. And, um, back when we had uh, we had DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller um, – and Shaq was known to be a pretty big Madden player. I'd, I'd kind of razz him a little bit, asking him which one of those two he subbed out to put himself in the game. Uh, but, you know, he's he's a guy who's probably got a little bit of a grudge against Denver. You're probably going to see a little extra effort. Um, going up against Elijah, Elijah's okay. Um, better run blocker than pass protector. Uh, he struggles with the speed rush mightily. So if you can if you can speed him off the edge, uh, you, you're going to put him in, in a bad position. He's got kind of a bum foot anyway. So, um, you know, that's, that's really kind of hindering him a little bit. And uh, that's that's been kind of a problem. They like him. They like him long term. Probably more as a lower of a swing tackle. But, um, you know, with, with Jawan opting out, they really didn't have a lot of other options. And, you know, DeMar Dotson, who you guys are familiar with, came out here. Uh, but he's just not been in uh, not been in game shape and not, not been ready to go coming up here to play at altitude. Yeah, that interior of the Broncos offensive line is really curious to me because the Bucs have, have had the number one run defense in the NFL last year, and I think they're number one again early, early, obviously, small sample size this year, but going up against McCaffrey and 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 Alvin Kamara and a good Saints offensive line, they've they've been tough to run on. And obviously, I'm sure with a with a new quarterback, the Broncos would love to be able to run the ball. And they got this offensive line kind of bringing in Graham Glasgow and paying him and Lloyd Cushenberry drafting him in the third round and Dalton Reisner, second round pick going into his second season, I think. And so what have you seen from this interior group so far that gives you hope that this team can be productive, maybe running the football, but also in pass pro. I know the Steelers gave the group fits, but I think talent wise, it's probably up there with some of the better groups in the league, right? Yeah, I, I honestly I'd put their guards up against just about anybody. Um, you know, Glasgow and, and, and Reisner are fantastic players. Uh Cushenberry has the ability to be like that, but he still makes some rookie mistakes. But the interior line is, is obviously the strength. Um and that's you know, they they like that. They'd like to get better at the tackle positions and Garrett Bowles has been better uh, dating back to about the uh, last quarter of last season on to this season, been been a lot better than he has been. Um so he's finally it's finally starting to click for him, but you know, they just – the tackle positions and off the edge has been a problem. When you have good guards, that's that's a plus, but they've got to cover down on the center and the tackles, and that puts them in some awkward spots at times as well. So, um, I, you know, I, I think having a full preseason and having more practice time would have really helped this line out. But, you know, in the end, you, you, you roll with the hand you dealt. Ben, when you look at Tampa Bay's offensive arsenal in the passing game, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's back this week from his – Concussion protocol, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard. They've got Scotty Miller, who's an emerging wide receiver that can play in the slot and catch those smoke routes and, and pick up a first down or take you downfield for a 50- or 60-yard touchdown. And and then you've got the, the, the running backs that can also be a factor for Brady out of the backfield, Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, and Ronald Jones. If you are Tom Brady going up against this Broncos defense, where is it at its weakest? 
which player are you going to target the most in the passing game from the players that I've mentioned? Um, well, I, I think if you're the Broncos defense, the player you're most concerned about is Scotty Miller. Um, they, they've, they've held bigger, bigger body contested catch guys like Evans. They've, they've held those guys mostly in check. You go back and you look at the game one, AJ Brown, and uh, Corey Davis, they, they held those guys in check. They're not scared of the run game. In fact, their, their defense against the run has been phenomenal outside of that one carry at the end of the game last week by, uh, um, uh, by Connor to seal it. Um, but, you know, I think that the one thing that they're concerned about is the fact you've got a rookie corner out there at Ojemudia, and Tom Brady's probably going to pick on that corner given what he gave up uh, the previous week. But uh, in terms of receivers that scare him, it was, Miller's got speed. And I, I think that's, that's the one thing they really haven't had to go up against is just blazing speed so far. They haven't seen it in big doses. The Titans don't have it. And the Steelers do a little bit, but they, they didn't really utilize it. So I think that would be the thing that would worry me if I'm, you know, if I'm the Broncos defense. Yeah, this is a defense that has had a lot of moving pieces. You mentioned, talked about Vaughn Miller being out and even Todd Davis, you know, cutting him loose. And there's just been kind of a lot of changes for this group, the AJ Bouye, obviously the cornerback group in general. But this constants have been kind of the play of these safeties, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons. I love both of them, and I love watching them on tape. And I think Kareem Jackson is such an under-discussed player and has been throughout his entire career. What do these two guys bring to the defense, not only from the on-field, ability standpoint but also leadership for so many young moving pieces around them uh right now what have they brought to the defense well k jack's more the vocal leader uh he's the hitter uh don't get me wrong he can cover uh but i think he's been miscast most of his career as kind of a corner and he's really more of a zone safety you know, high safety and uh, and that's what he plays for uh, plays for vic I, I i think that that's that's kind of his home um you know he's a thumper he'll put a lick on you and you wouldn't expect it out of a guy his size but he's, he's a fearless hitter and kind of a tone setter back there. Justin, uh, more of a rangy athlete, a little less apt as a tackler, but uh, has all world speed. Um, he's more quiet and reserved in terms of his leadership style, but still very well respected within the locker room. Um, very intelligent guy as well. So um, both those guys, I think, are kind of the heart and soul right now with uh, with Bond out. They're kind of the heart and soul of the defense. KJ's kind of the humorous, funny guy, and Justin's a serious, no-nonsense guy. Between the two of them, I think they, they you know, they kind of get that defense whipped into shape. And with Cortland Sutton going to be out this week when the Buccaneers come to town, do you expect Noah Fant to get even more involved in the passing game? And, and you know, what can you say about this guy? He's kind of a hidden gem at the tight end position. He doesn't get the, the pub and the recognition. He's only been in the league. This is his second year. But 40 catches last year, 562 yards, averaged 14 yards a catch, three touchdowns. This year he's already got two touchdowns on the board, averaging over 15 yards per catch. Uh, you know, he's, he's been productive in these first two weeks. How much of a factor do you think he's going to be against the Buccaneers defense? Well, they've tried to make him the factor all along. Uh, just, you know, the defensive coordinators aren't sleeping on him at all, it, mm -hmm. it, despite the, uh, you know, the national media or whatever. Um, you know, he's, he's really good. He has potential to be a star in this league, and I think his star will continue to rise for the next, you know, couple of years. Um, an all-world athlete, uh, willing blocker, although not great at it, um, struggles to track the ball, you know, in the air. But if you get the ball and let him create, he, he, tends, to, he tends to do pretty well with it. Um, you know, I, I, he's, he's been involved. That's the thing. He's been involved. The problem is teams just recognize that and they scheme to try to take him away uh, and force the Broncos to have to go to guys like Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and, and then K.J. Hamler last week and Deshaun Hamilton. So, um, you know, they, they tried to get Vanette involved as a second tight end, but that really hadn't worked out too well. So, 
Ben, last one for me. I'm curious about Bradley Chubb. You know, there was all this production as a rookie, but the pressure rate showed maybe wasn't quite like to that standard of production on a on a regular basis that unless he raised those pressure rates and then the second year obviously missed with the injury and then he's back this year. Has he looked the same to you? Is he capable of kind of stepping? I mean, they drafted him, what, fifth overall? I mean, this is a, you know, this is a team that they need him to step in and be a, you know, maybe not going to be the, the level of Von Miller, but they need to be the, an impact player like that, an impact pass rusher like that. Has he shown that he's ready for that role through the first two weeks uh, of the season? Has he looked fully back from that knee injury and, and maybe better than he was his rookie year? I, I don't think so. I, you know, throughout camp, he's been at about 80%. And, you know, now it's just one of those situations where he's, he's kind of getting his groove back and you'll see it play to play, but it's, it's still, uh, uh, it's still tough for him. I, I don't think he's fully back from that injury yet. I don't think we've seen him back to where he needs to be in terms of what they drafted him to be. Uh, his rookie season, he was phenomenal, you know, but now, you know, he's playing about 85, 90% and, and, you know, teams aren't is really that scared of a touch and read on the other side. So, you know, they double him up and chip him and, um, he's really nice. He's not even close to getting home on any of this stuff. They're, they're really just kind of, uh, you know, just, just scheming him out of the, out of the play and forcing Itachu and Reed to, to have to make a play. You know what the best thing about Bradley Chubb is entering week three, Ben? What is that? He's going up against Donovan Smith. Who's played pretty bad, <laughs> pretty bad football the first two weeks of the season, especially in pass protection. It's kind of crazy. Cause Donovan is, is, uh, now he's he's given up I think five pressures in the the last two weeks, three quarterback hits and uh, or I should say a quarterback hit, a sack, um, three you know the three hurries, and he's gotten two penalties. So if if there's a week for Bradley Chubb, if there's a week for him to to bounce back, it might be week three when when Donovan comes to town. We'll have to see. Well, we'll see. We'll see if hopefully, uh, I mean, for the Broncos side of the house anyway, hopefully he can get going for you guys' sake. Uh, we'll hope it stays the same. Ben, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody. I know that you are all over Twitter, and uh, but just, just tell uh, Buccaneer fans where they can check out your NFL coverage. It's not just the Broncos. You, you know all things about all 32 teams. Where can they find you on Twitter and also around the web? Uh, you can uh, you can unfollow me on Twitter at Albright NFL. It's a dumpster fire. I wouldn't follow me. Um, beyond that, uh, uh, we do the uh, we put the radio show up on the web, so you can get that on the iHeartRadio app. It's called Broncos Country Tonight, but we talk about all kinds of football on there, not just the Broncos. Um, and uh, yeah, don't don't try to don't try to friend me on Facebook because I'll just ignore your friend request. So <laughs> great stuff from from uh, from Ben Albright covering the Buccaneers. Thank you so much for your time, Ben. Thanks, Thanks man. guys. Take care. Thanks a lot, Ben. Yeah. You know, John and Matt, the one thing about living in Florida is, is you know, it's hurricane uh, season every summer. That's just how it is living down here. That's part of, of living in a subtropical climate is you get these hurricanes that roll through and the hurricane season starts in June. And you know what? It doesn't end until the end of October. So even though we're about to flip the calendar from September to October, it's still hurricane season. And we've seen some storms roll through. Thankfully, haven't really hit Florida, but you never know when the next one's going to be coming around. And so with storm season being here, don't wait to review your insurance policies. Call our good friends at Briar Greaves Insurance, which is a family-owned operation that served the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years for your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. 
a lot of homeowner companies are canceling or they're not renewing policies or they're leaving Florida or they're increasing their premium significantly. Don't fall into that trap. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for the information on the best rates. You've got nothing to lose. It's a phone call, people. Call Briar Greaves, have him review your policy. If he can save you money, great. And don't just have him look at your homeowners. Auto, life, the full gambit. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big Buccaneer fans. They're proud sponsors of, of the Pewter Nation podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com. That's B-R-I-E-R-G-R-I-E-V-E-S insurance.com. Or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. Briar Greaves Insurance. Matt, we, yeah. talked, a lot of, we talked a lot about the Broncos being a mash unit that's How's right it looking Scott. for the buccaneers so i was about to say that I, I i bet the i was gonna try to do a mark cook-esque segue and say that i'm sure the broncos wish that they had insurance from briar greaves with all the key <laughs> players on their team that won't be playing this week and on the flip side for the bucks they are getting healthier uh, obviously the big news is that chris godwin has been practicing this week we uh, we're recording this on thursday we haven't gotten the practice report yet but uh, from yesterday's practice report on Wednesday, the big news was that Godwin is back, which obviously is so crucial for the Bucks' offense. Going into week three, I know they both played in week one, but Mike Evans had the hamstring injury. He didn't really get a lot of reps or time in practice to get chemistry with Brady. So this, and obviously Godwin didn't play last week. So this is yeah. really the first week where we're getting full steam ahead, full force with the Bucks offense, uh, everyone else on the injury report, Jason Pierre-Paul was limited in practice, but you know, he's a veteran. He's going to get those maintenance days. Scotty Miller was limited in practice with the hip and a groin injury. Donovan Smith was limited with the knee injury. The big one that we should pay attention to is Justin Watson. He did not practice yesterday with the shoulder injury. He didn't yeah. practice today either on Thursday. That'll be a bit of a hit to the Bucks, especially on special teams. He's an important special teams player. Uh, in the offense, I mean, Scotty Miller is third receiver. Justin did play a role last week with Godwin out, but now that Godwin's back, his you know he kind of gets bumped down in the depth chart. But overall, big picture, Bucks are getting healthier while the Broncos are essentially a ragtag crew coming into Sunday's game. So, Matt, what you're saying is it would be a safe bet to bet on the Buccaneers this week? It would be a very safe bet, and I'm very surprised, Scott, that the Bucs are only a six-point favorite over Man. the Denver Broncos. They score a touchdown, start the game 7-0, and both of their games so far, they have yeah. started going up 7-0. I am hammering the Bucs this week. I'm hammering the Bucs. Where should I go to hammer this minus six bet for Tampa Bay? Matt, there's, there's only one place that our listeners on the Pewter Nation podcast should go and venture for their online wagers, and that's my bookie. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the NFL is back and the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are in full swing, and baseball is, is right around the corner with their abbreviated pennant chase, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting money on it. Sometimes I got a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team, regardless. Whether you're betting for years or whether you're betting for the first time, my bookie is the best bet this season with the biggest online selection of bets and prop bets. They've made it simple and easy to win and withdraw your cash. Right now, 
they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment. $10 to win thousands? Sign me up. And you too can sign up at my book. You just use the promo code Pewter to claim your 100% deposit match all the way up to a thousand bucks. That means if you put in a hundred dollars, they're going to give you a hundred dollars. It's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll. NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. They've got it all on tap. It's never too late to start winning at my bookie. John, we talked about Justin Watson possibly being out, right? And, and that's going to knock the Buccaneers down a peg. Now, of course, th that's, that's a, a better return for the Buccaneers when you're swapping in Chris Godwin for Justin Watson, right? You've got right, a, a right. pair of a pewter, pewter pro bowlers now in Evans and Godwin playing in an all-pewter uniform for the first time. That should be cool to see. The Bucs' new uniforms, their alternate uniforms, are going to be debuting in Denver. But is there a player maybe that you want to see get some more touches, get some more opportunities, some more targets? in the passing game other than, you know, the third or fourth wide receiver on the depth chart? You know, if you stop by Peter Report at any point in the last few hours, then you probably know that I'm pretty passionate about getting O.J. Howard more involved in this offense. I wrote about it before the season, and I don't like when people write about things before the season just for clicks and attention, and then once the season starts, don't feel like, you know, they, they surrender their, their position, you know, after a week or two. I feel passionately about O.J. Howard being able to be productive in this offense. I don't say he doesn't get more targets or more looks or more snaps than Mike Evans or Chris Godwin at all. I don't want that. But I do want him to be able to outsnap Justin Watson on a week when Chris Godwin's out. And I don't want him to come off the field for Cyril Grayson ever. I don't think that should happen. I also think it should be closer between he and Gronk as to who, get, who gets more snaps. And I think maybe that starts with – running the ball a little bit less and throwing it a little bit more. And I've obviously been on that train, but even if that's not the case, OJ Howard's improved his run blocking. Um, and even if you want to play two tight end sets, get OJ Howard out and get him out of the box a little bit more. Stop playing him in line so much. They played him four snaps in the slot and four snaps out wide last week. To me, I think OJ Howard can be similar to what Jared Cook is with the Saints. It took teams too long to figure it out with Jared Cook. We are now in an age where tight ends like that are getting more opportunities in a lot of places. Noah Fant is one of them, I think, yeah. who is a good blocker too. And I think O.J. Howard's gotten back to being a better blocker this season so far. But we're able to move these guys around and be versatile with them and do all kinds of stuff with them. And I think that's what the Bucs need to be more open to doing with O.J. Howard. But that has not been the case so far. They have not shown a lot of creativity with his usage. And that's frustrating to me because I think he's a guy that when you look at him, it's like, how do we match up with this guy? And he makes teams scheme differently and line up differently, deploy personnel differently, but only if they're going to use him in that manner. And they just haven't so far. So you're not even saying get Gronk the ball more often because that's kind of been a little bit more of the national narrative, <laughs> know. Right? right? You know, right. two, two catches for 11 yards for Gronk through two games. Yeah. And, and you're wanting OJ, the other tight end. Yeah, to I mean, in the yeah, to, to me, it's about it's about how we can how you can threaten teams as much as you know, if OJ doesn't catch that many passes, I can live with it on a week to week basis. Um, but I think that, you know, playing him 15 snaps and he played 15 passing snaps, you know, mm -hmm. where he wasn't pass blocking or wasn't run blocking. He was on the field for 15 plays where he's running a route. And so many of those are like little, you know, he's running these hitch routes and he's running these quick outs and, you know, he's running for like seven, eight yards of depth and, 
He's yeah. this is the league leader in yards per catch and large yards per target for a tight end since he entered the league. And it's not like we have a 10 catch sample size. Like the guy's been productive. And so Cyril I just Grayson think it's had that many snaps last week. What's that? Didn't Cyro Grayson have that many snaps last week? Cyro Grayson had eight, had one, had 14 snaps in the past game. And, hey, and hey, where he ran Coach Arian said that he has good hands. So that's probably why I'll he believe was it when I see it. That's exactly that's right. coach speak. That. I yeah, was I floored. mean, I was, uh, I just, so to me, it's just, I, I just think OJ Howard is too unique and too good of a weapon that even if you aren't you know, throwing it to him a hundred times a game. Like he is a guy that can make teams match up ways that they have to respect his presence on the field. And he can attack you vertically in ways that you have to respect. And if you were going to roll coverage to Mike Evans and that's how you want to play it, because Mike Evans is primarily a vertical team, then you've got to hit him with Scotty Miller. And that's why I advocated so hard for Scotty to play over Justin Watson. And they have done that, which has been great. And you've got to have you've got to have OJ Howard out there, and you've got to threaten yeah. teams down the field more. You can't just let them take that away from you, or let them take Mike Evans away from you. And if well, you have more guys that can get vertical, I think you can free up Evans again too. And, and even even Ben Albright said that that the player the Broncos should be concerned about is Scotty Miller because of that mm-hmm. speed. It's just a different element, you know, that right. he brings to the table. Gosh, you know, John. It, you're making OJ Howard seem seem like a, a first round pick or something, you know. I mean, <laughs> you, know you know, it's pretty just, crazy. Just a guy that that you know this team has has already picked up the fifth year option on because they want him around. You know, that's the weird thing, right? Like right? if OJ Howard, if they didn't think if they didn't think anything of OJ Howard, yeah. then why'd they defend him all offseason? And why didn't they trade him when they could have when his, when the market was, I'm sure, right. okay for him? If they even tested, I don't even know. Yeah. But now so now it's a situation where I don't know what the plan is because he is playing like he is on place to pace to play 200 over 200 less snaps than he did last season and he missed two games last season right so what exactly is the plan here because it's not like Gronk is tearing it up I know he's a better blocker but he, yeah clearly OJ Howard's the better receiving option right now it's just they, kind of yeah, funny. they need a plan it's funny because Bruce Arians kind of said this the other day on, on one of the zoom calls he basically came out and said our offense runs through the wide receivers not the tight yeah. ends you know and, and it does I mean mm-hmm. you, you had Godwin and, and Evans go over a thousand yards last year. Both were top ten, top five wide receivers, and I get that. And OJ certainly had some opportunities, and he dropped some literally last year. And he, some of those drops ended up in the hands of of the opposing team, much to Jameis Winston's chagrin. But I, I'm I'm just saying though, it's like okay, if if that's the case, then why stockpile your your tight end room and you know and the highest of, tight end payroll in the league? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I guess just in case, you know, you have injuries to, you in know, case to, Chris Godwin goes out and you could play OJ Howard. No, we're not going to do think, that either. I no. don't know. I, it is really peculiar. You're right yeah. on. It I is mean, strange. Not many teams pay their third string tight end four and a half million dollars <laughs> right but that's what they're doing with Cameron Braid so which uh, which we can live with again that is a unique position and the funniest thing about it is everybody in the league is trying to stockpile tight ends everybody right. wants them you know the 49ers went out there and snapped up Jordan Reed so when George Kittle sprains his knee they can put Jordan Reed out there and he can catch two touchdowns you know what I mean yeah. and well, anyone you know, those can catch kind of two guys. touchdowns against the Jets. Let's be let's be realistic. <laughs> Good there. point, Matt. <laughs> but Cameron Brait, despite making four point two five million dollars as the third string tight end, has played on eleven snaps of offense say, yeah. this year. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I thought he would play more than that. I I thought he would be used slightly more. I thought that they would be trying to maybe dial down Gronkowski's role a little bit. Gronk has actually led the way with ninety seven snaps, yeah. despite being the old man, and right. he's looked like an old man. If we're being honest. 
in yeah, terms of running. Not I mean, he separation. has been yeah, like last he week he covered up. Yeah, yeah. He looks stiff. He, yeah. You know? So yeah. 90, 97 snaps for Gronk, 81 snaps for OJ. That's 16 less, despite being the far younger and far superior athlete. And uh, and and then you got Brait with 11, despite mm-hmm. making 4.25 right. million dollars. Well, and this is why I said all offseason. Like I don't. To me, like if Braid is going to, unless they were going to do some crazy and do these like three tight ends set, you know, all the time. And and maybe we'll see some of that in the red zone. But I just don't understand keeping Cameron Braid. Like trade him for get a late pick and you know i mean you're you're gonna lose yeah. him for nothing you know eventually well so, you're gonna have to cut him because right as, exactly. as i'm writing an srs fab five tomorrow which is gonna be a good one because we really kind of we're looking right now at the season here entering week three but we're also taking a peek ahead at if some of these players don't start stepping up and we're talking about you don smith <laughs> and even to a degree shaq barrett believe it or not because this team right now is at $28 million under the salary cap next year without Levante David on the roster, without Chris Gavin on the mm-hmm. roster, without even Shaq Barrett on the roster. So this, this Buccaneer team, and the reason why, they're, uh, why, why it's a concern is because the salary cap floor has been set at $175 million next year. That's $17 million lower than it is this year. The cap usually goes up. It's going down next year because of all the, the lost revenue from COVID. So the Buccaneers are going to have to make some cuts next year. And it's got to come from somewhere. We take an advanced look at that and say, hey, these players, and we list about a handful of them, if, these, if they don't step up over the next 14 weeks, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be on the block. So right. be sure to, to check that out on Friday. On Saturday, we've got our pewter predictions and preview where myself and John and Matt and these guys named who are their names? Uh, Mark, Mark and Taylor. That's Some right. Guys we let got on suspended, the show right? Occasionally, they're suspended. Yeah, yeah of course they're suspended. Uh, we all combine into one article our thoughts, our predictions, and we talk a little bit about the matchups we're looking for. But the cool thing about the Thursday afternoon podcast is we get to talk about this matchup for a little bit and give our own predictions here audibly. So, John, let's start with you. Bucks facing a banged up, beaten up Broncos team. What's your prediction for Sunday? Man, this would have to be like the buckiest of all games for the Bucks to lose. You know, this would have to be, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. this would have to be like what happened in the third quarter in Carolina, like on steroids. Like, yeah. it just, there's no way. I just don't, under, I don't know how. I mean, the Steelers almost did it. Yeah. And it was amazing to watch. But I just don't, I mean, the Bucks are just better at quarterback than the Steelers are right now. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, I, I struggle to see, you know, like how this happens in a way that isn't go Tampa Bay's way. And when I looked at it, the one player who worries me for Denver is Noah Fant. I think that mm-hmm. he has the ability to do some things and he's been on a roll this season. He is tough. He's, he's, he's just come together for him. He can block, but yeah. he'll also split out and how you defend him And the Bucks have chosen Jordan Whitehead as that guy. And that has not gone their way very often. And so, he, to me, that is the big question mark, you know, in this game is can they defend Noah Fant and, and can the pass rush be productive? And how often do we blitz Denver? I mean, Denver's given up a ton of pressure all year. They have names on that offensive line. They struggled to, to stunts and things like that and twists, and Todd Bowles loves doing that kind of stuff. So I just think they have to be aggressive and go after it. Driscoll does not have an internal clock. He will hold the ball and take sacks. He is an athlete, but he doesn't. He's not like an escapability guy. Like he will, he will take sacks. And so, to me, when I look at the game, I just think the Bucks have so many advantages. They really, if they come out sharp and focused, they should put a hurting on Denver, like they should have with Carolina. Um, 
you're always worried about the mistakes of this team until they prove that it's out of their DNA and it's out of the culture, you know, and that's the one thing I think that could hurt them, you know, but they might give up some points here and there, but it, I struggle to see a way that, I mean, we have Michael Ojemudier and, and, and Sang Bassey against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, I just, how Good luck is with this? that. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, Justin Simmons going to have to play out of his mind back there. So they're going to have to clone Justin Simmons. Yeah. There's what they're going to have to do. They're right. literally going to have to take him to a lab and clone him and just stick him out there in three or four different spots, cornerback, right. slot corner, nickel. Yeah. I know, will say and, this. And at safety. Yeah, Denver can stop the run. And so the worst thing the Broncos can do is come out in a run-heavy approach and try to pound the ball in Denver when they can – when they yeah. literally just have the such an advantage. come out. Right, sorry, yeah. Yeah. When the Bucks come out and they have such an advantage in the passing yeah. game, to me, not getting after this team and just putting them away early would be a real disservice that could allow them to hang on and then fluke things happen. And I would love I to see Byron Leftwich come out and throw the ball to set up the pass. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, to set up the run. Use the pass right. to set up the run. I would love to see them come out in first and second down just slinging the ball and, and taking advantage of, of those young cornerbacks and, and making them pay and then kind of lull them to sleep and then, bam, hit him with Rojo and Leonard Fournette. Matt? Let's go to you. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? How big of a margin is this game going to be? I'm assuming you're picking the Buccaneers. Scott, I'm going to use a word that you like to use a lot when talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning and watching them win. No mercy. Yes. Yes. The Bucs need to start out this game right away and just the defense has to come out and bludgeon that Broncos offense. Just show that they are going to have no chance Having a dog sweep the, the leg fight. is what you're saying. Sweep yeah, the leg. Sweep the leg. Cobra Kai no style. Mercy in this game. We talked about all of the injuries. There's no reason why the Broncos should stay close in this game. Yeah. What was the big issue for the Bucs last week when they started blowing that 21 nothing lead? It was the interception. Lapsed. It was the interception right after they just created a turnover. Yeah. And it was that other drive when uh, when there was the botched handoff Dro- from drop Brady passes, Rojo, yeah, the and, and they turned over the ball there. Even with the first turnover, even if they just run the ball three times, go three and out, they kick a field goal, then it's 24 nothing, and you're already off to the races. Like, all right, things are going well already. They can't let anything, for any reason, let the Broncos think that they have a chance of winning this game. I'm very confident in in the Bucs' defense. I mean, if they let up 17 points a game, the Bucs should win every single football game. I think they're going to get to the quarterback. They're going to take advantage of a very inexperienced quarterback. And as I was talking about before with Chris Godwin coming back, it's very intriguing to watch the offense this week because last week it was Tom Brady and Mike Evans. That was the whole offense until the fourth quarter with, yeah. until Leonard Fournette came back. Week one, it was Brady and Godwin with a little bit of Scotty Miller. Who's going to be the next guy to step up in the Bucs offense? Yes, it'll most likely be Mike and Chris. But if they decide to take someone away, is Scotty Miller going to bounce back? Are they actually going to utilize the tight ends? Is Gronk going to have a good game? Are they going to use OJ? OJ, Could be OJ OJ. Howard's day. Who's going to be the next guy to step up if they don't establish the run, which I don't think we're really predicting them to establish the run until Leonard Fournette closes it out in the fourth quarter. Who's going to step up on that offense who's not named Mike and Chris and just bludgeon them on defense? That's what I'm looking for. It's going to be Rob Gronkowski, and I'll tell you why. Because as much as coaches like to say, you know, we tune out all the noise, we don't listen to the media, whatever. Okay, so what was the narrative coming out of week one? Mike Evans, one catch, two yards, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what what did Bruce say after the game when asked about that? Yeah, we got to feature Mike. 
10 times. We got to give him 10 targets a game. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how many targets did Mike Evans have last week? He had a lot 10. of freaking targets. He had 10. over 100. Yeah, he, he had, had 10. 10 targets, right? over 100 receiving mm-hmm. yards, and a touchdown. Right. And then we talked about, okay, well, the Bucks' running game needs to get going. Coach, you know, do you need to get Leonard Fournette more involved in the game? What happened in week two, John? Mm, Leonard Fournette got more carries and outsnapped Ronald Jones. 100 yards, two touchdowns? Right. So what's, right. Been, what's been the narrative this week? You know, what position hasn't been involved this, this, so far in, in the game plan too much? The so ends. we are pushing and the buttons, you're saying. We're controlling Bruce. Let's go. right we are. I didn't right. think about that, John. Hey, they threw more on first down. Yes, they're going to throw more on first down. That, you wrote that article that That's the right. Bucs need to change what they do on first down, and then they come out and they're passing yeah. the ball. Like, yeah. All right, So Byron's Rob Gronkowski read. and John, because you wrote your more OJ, please, article on Thursday, I think we're going to see a healthy dose of, of Gronk and OJ in Denver. I just, I think that's what's going to happen, especially in the red zone. I think those guys are going to get some targets and, and make some fantasy owners really happy. So before I give my prediction, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you where you could get your happy on. And that's at Pin Chasers. Pin Chasers is bowling, food, and fun in the Tampa Bay area for more than 60 years. Enjoy the fun, the excitement of bowling, great food that's made to order, like their hand-padded burgers, fresh hot pizza, as well as your favorite soda, beer, and cocktails. Now listen, COVID has changed Pin Chasers' approach to help keep all of their patrons as safe as possible while having fun on the lanes. Visit pinchasers.net or call 813-879-2695 for daily specials and party information. Pinchasers has got three locations in the Tampa Bay area. The Veterans location over in my neck of the woods in Zephyr Hills, and then their main location on Armenia, uh, which which is really close to one buck in your place. So three great places to, to bowl and have some good family fun. It's still hot outside. The lanes are air-conditioned, so get indoors and do some bowling at Pin Chasers. Pin Chasers has been a proud uh, Pewter Nation podcast sponsor, and they've hosted our Pewter Report bowling events and leagues throughout the years. We hope that continues in 2021. We miss those bowling leagues. Those were fun, right, Matt? Very fun. I do miss it. Pinchasers.net. So make sure you check out uh, that place, Pin Chasers, for all of your bowling fun. So uh, I think the Buccaneers are going to have a lot of fun this weekend. I think that they're, they're going to stop beating themselves for a change because they've done enough of that the first two weeks. It didn't cost them last week against a lesser opponent. It did against a more formidable opponent. But I think the Buccaneers right now, almost like a shark, kind of smelling the blood in the water. They're one and one along with the New Orleans Saints. And they have a chance to, I, I think, really start making a run here. And I predicted this in last week's two-point conversion that the Buccaneers start streaking in Denver, right? They're going to get back-to-back wins. You look at this schedule. Uh, the Chargers are a little bit more formidable, right? I think the Chiefs found that out, but that's going to be in Tampa. And I, and I think the Buccaneers have a chance to, to get this one, to get the, the L.A. Chargers game, and then to maybe get Chicago in, um, on Thursday night uh, in the Windy City. Yeah. So th- there's it an opportunity should. right here. There's yeah. an opportunity. And I think the Buccaneers start – taking advantage of, of other people's mistakes. And I think they win big, 34-16. to 16. I think the tight ends get more involved. I think Gronk gets a touchdown. I think Shaq Barrett goes off against Elijah Wilkinson. And I think that you're starting to see them really kind of batter lesser opponents. And I think, unfortunately, due to injuries, the Broncos were a lesser opponent. 34-16, Buccaneers beat the Broncos. Any final thoughts, guys? 
I just think that we haven't even seen anything close to how good this offense can be. So just watch out when they do get it all together. I, I'm not saying it's going to be this week, but give it a couple more weeks when this offense really gets humming, then the Bucks are really going to be scary because the defense is getting closer to, I guess you could say, quote unquote, midseason form, even though it's two games in the season. But the defense is way ahead of the offense right now. Once the offense picks it up, whoo-wee! going to be yeah the thing that the thing that scares me honestly is i think that the broncos i was really kind of impressed with some of the things pat Shermer did last week and i think that he's got some really good ideas and he utilizes play action and he does some really good things not saying he's like the best oc in the league or whatever but schematically i think i'd put i've been more impressed with what i've seen from him than what i've seen from left with janarian so far but left with janarian's offense is still evolving so i'm gonna leave the door cracked for that and there's no question which side has more talent in this game so i i, I am way more nervous about this game than i should be like i i did not see the broncos starting the season as 0-3 i also didn't start to see them starting the season decimated by injury though uh, if this were a fully healthy Broncos team, yeah. I would be I would be a little more scared because I think the Bron- the Bucks are still figuring some things out yeah. and are still susceptible to some of the mistakes. I think they'll figure it out, but I still think they're susceptible to mistakes. But right now, even though I am more worried than you guys and probably more worried than I should be, I can't go there all the way. I think it's going to be like 26-21. I'm going to give the Broncos I'm going to give the Bucks the win, but I think it's going to be closer than it should be. Well, yeah, I'll say this. Denver, to their credit, hung tight in Pittsburgh despite all the sacks last week and despite mm-hmm. the quarterback change. And uh, but you know we'll have to see. The thing that I like about what Bruce Arians said this week, and I quote, uh, "We haven't done shit yet, and uh, we're nobody to look past anybody." So he's put that in this young football team's mind that just because you're going up against a wounded animal. Sometimes the wounded animal is the most desperate and the most dangerous. So he's already kind of put it out there. Don't look past this Broncos team just because they're not at full strength. But the great thing about pewterreport.com is we're always at full strength, and we're going to have all of the Bucks broncos coverage coming up on Sunday. So stay tuned to pewterreport.com for the Fab Five on Friday for the uh, latest injury updates heading into the game for the Saturday roster transactions as the Buccaneers will undoubtedly bring a couple players up from the practice squad to help their numbers for game day. And also for our pewter predictions, and you can find out what Mark and Taylor also have to say about their thoughts as the Bucks battle the Broncos on Sunday. So for John Ledyard and for Matt Matera, I am Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you next Sunday, or I should say this Sunday after the game, on the next edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. Out. Out.